season for Khan. The 2-0. Hit up the middle. Base hit. Scoring is Marcos. It's a walk-off RBI single for Alex Khan. The Owls are in first place with a 7-6 win. Your first place for a City Owls. AK comes up. Hello, everybody. We are back for our final edition of uh, Rings of Power uh, recaps here at One Pod to Rule Them All. Uh, we are very excited to be done with the show. We're very excited for this to be the last podcast that we do reviewing one of the singular episodes. Um, this was a massive headache to watch. Uh, there were a lot of, not a lot, there were some good things, right? Some, you know, over the season, it was visually stunning. It was great to just see some of our characters that we've, you know, grew up reading about or over the years have, have been, you know, wanting to see on television. I think all of the actors and actresses honestly put in a really good performance. I never sat back and was like, this actor's terrible. This actress is bad. Never once. I think everybody put in a great performance to the best of their abilities. And I think a lot of their talents were wasted by really bad writing. And this last episode, this finale, really confirmed it. And I just want to say, if you're tuning in, listening to this, as somebody that's a big fan of the show, by all means, keep listening. We'll have some positive things to say and some hopeful stuff to go forward in, in the show. This is going to be about a five, four to five season show. And if it, if it picks up and it's much better, I'm sure it'll get to a season six. Um, so I'm sorry to be overly negative, but I want to say something. It is so pleasing that I go around online and it's not just us and our corner of Twitter that are dogging on this show. I've been on multiple movie accounts on Instagram just that, or movie and TV show accounts that they just do podcasts and whatnot. Like for instance, lights, camera, bar stool or whatever. I sent you guys a link as a massive following. And I would say out of the 500 comments that were under a rings of power post, almost every single one of them, was just saying this is this show is not good like as good as the cgi is you cannot replace bad writing and it all got hundreds and hundreds of likes i think anybody with a brain knows that these rotten tomato scores or critic scores that you see it's a 98 percent four percent whatever it is these are bought reviews okay these reviews are bought i called out ign earlier in the week i got about 200 plus likes on my comment under ign's post saying that this was a phenomenal finale and this was top 10 tv of all time blah 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 they i just basically told them you guys are bought and a bunch of people agreed and i'm not trying to toot my own horn here but here's the problem people like to intertwine being negative about rings of power with being some sort of bigot or, or somebody who hates uh, strong female leads or diversity in casting. And, and it's all intertwined into this dumb narrative that is against people that are critical of the show. And it's really frustrating. And it's worse. When, like, I hated that in Star Wars. I cannot stand that in Star Wars. Where you go online and you want to voice your opinion. I thought Obi-Wan Kenobi, I thought that show was really lackluster. But if you did any criticism, what were you? basically a racist right so what i'm trying to say is it pains me and it gives me a headache it genuinely makes me sad i tweeted the other night after the finale i am genuinely sad it saddens me that this has spread to my favorite fandom the best lore in the world the best books in the world tolkien's middle earth is just it's been subject of this corporate greed. It's been subject of this insane narratives online. When he wrote an uplifting world about being best friends with people, struggling through the hardest of times and overcoming for the be- you know, overcoming the, the worst of obstacles for, for the betterment of the world, sacrificing yourself and your livelihood for others around you. So many good themes, so many uplifting themes that was all inspired in World War II, World War One, whichever one. Um, one. World War One, and it's I, I'm I'm rambling right now, but I am really frustrated, and I'm really glad that this season is over. And unfortunately, Amazon got the hiring of the showrunners wrong. Um, this is only to me solidifying that we were insanely lucky lucky with Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings, and I would even say to an extent Peter Japs Peter Jackson's The Hobbit. I mean, we were spoiled with that director. That, this was a guy that loved the world that Tolkien built 
And yes, he had his criticisms, but it was nowhere near this. And the way that I'm seeing this, and I can tell from the showrunners, they're entrenched in their own view of Middle Earth. And unfortunately, we're stuck with a couple guys that, in my opinion, I don't think care enough for the deep lore fans and for the lore in general. So guys, give me your opening thoughts here on what I'm saying right now, and then we'll dive into our schedule. Um, I, you know, regardless of how, I mean, I've hated this season. I would not have, I would not have finished watching it if it weren't for this podcast. And honestly, guys, for the second season and we're reviewing it, I'm just going to be a commentator on what you guys watch because I don't think I'm coming back for it. Um, but I will say this, we, I have met some awesome people online, people who love the show, people who hate the show. Um, and, you know, folks with whom I'm able to have really good conversations about Tolkien, um, regardless. And, you know, there's no, there's no um, bickering, even, even in our disagreements, you know, we can understand, you know, we're Tolkien fans and we all have different levels of, you know, what we accept in adaptation or, or what we, ex- what we expect in television. And I'm okay with that. Um, that doesn't mean I'm going to stop being incredibly critical of things that I find need that critique. But, you know, I don't want to say like, oh, you enjoy this, then you're wrong. Because everyone has a different, a different range of what they can, what they, what they like and what they don't like and what they will accept and what they won't accept. And that's fine. Um, You know, I don't, and online, I don't go into people's threads and say, oh, you're wrong and you should feel ashamed of yourself for liking this. You're not a Tolkien fan. You're a shill. I mean, there are some shills, obviously. Um, But I think most folks are just. They're there from a love of Tolkien, and they've just they're coming from a different uh, spot or a similar spot to mine, and that's okay. Um, yep. And there, as much as I hate the show, there are some things that weren't terrible. There were a few moments, moments where you can see that there's something there that they could have tapped into something good, and then they they ruin it because these writers, you know, I've, they just did a long form. Um, uh, interview in Vulture, and it's very obvious that they are clueless about Tolkien's themes in his world. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. either they're clueless or they're just lying to us for the sake of their own show. I'm not sure which. Yep, absolutely. I totally agree with that. I would like to say, like, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Uh, I, I I don't think that they their minds, um, or or maybe you know they they might feel like they grasp they grasp Tolkien's themes. Um, the elegance, the most pure high fantasy form of his world. They might believe that, but anybody in the audience that, that you know, has fully read the books many times, you know, I, I think that we're all sitting here saying, no, I, I, I don't think that this is Tolkien. You, you might think so, but I don't think so. And look, I've watched the T I, I've, you know, my dad has, is a big, you know, Lord of the Rings fan. Um, you know, I've watched it with my girlfriend, uh, you know, I've, I've had friends who've watched it and so many people have told me the exact same thing. I'm talking, I've been, you know, on, on campus, uh, at school, um, and people have told me, Hey man, you watch Rings of Power? I'm like, yeah, yeah. What do you think of it? And they, they say, you know what? I mean, it's, it's all right TV. It's fun to see, you know, Middle Earth again, but this doesn't feel like Lord of the Rings. It feels, it just feels weird. It feels Disney-fied almost. And, and I feel like that's a universal opinion. And, you know, then we're, we're going to head over to Jacob's thoughts here. But I also want to say, I think we've I think the show got wrapped up real bad in these directors trying to make a huge household name for themselves. Different spins on way characters should look. I mean, come on, man. Like the, the way some of these elves look, I mean, some of them look like Machine Gun Kelly. Like it, it just looks so bad. It looks it looks terrible. I, I cannot stand watching it. Some of them look like they're like. Balenciaga runway like crate like weirdo models and you're like this just what is this you know and anyway Jacob what what are your opening thoughts here before we dive into the schedule yeah well I think you know I, I watched it first the finale I watched first by myself uh then I watched it with my dad later on and throughout the finale I was texting you you know my thoughts on it CJ and uh you know as moments would occur throughout the finale as I did throughout the show and as I've echoed throughout this podcast, each and every episode is I text you, can I even enjoy what's going on right now? Because is this faithful? Is this even what happens? And 
I think the most egregious example of this was this finale with the raft and where you have Galadriel and Sauron and they're, and they're inferring some sort of, of interference of some sort of, of their meeting and some sort of grand plan by Sauron to construct this master manipulative plan where when you really focus on it, it, it's just even from a pure plot perspective, even if you take the Tolkien stuff out of it, you're trying to tell me Sauron planned to find Galadriel in the middle of an ocean and knew she was going to decide to jump off the ship in the first step. Like, even from a pure plot perspective, save it breaking canon completely, but it's just, it's stupid to even make that the result of the plot. So, um, again, like you said, CJ, the acting, I think the best acted episode by the Galadriel actress was the finale. She showed the most emotion. I think she... And, and this is what annoys me about it, because we talked about this at the beginning of the show as well, which was I felt like they were doing the normal TV one season arc where you start out at a place where you kind of know predictably where it's going to end up at the end of the season. And we end up with a, a a more revised Galadriel at the end of the season. Like she's still not canon Galadriel, but she's no longer the I'm going to fight everybody and be you know, this big army warrior person anymore. Like we knew that, that like I had always thought that was a one season plot and it was kind of annoying because I've watched so many TV shows where they have these annoying plot lines for characters where it's like they start here and they end up here and you know where it's going the whole time. But she best acted episode by her was the finale because it felt at least to me the most like Galadriel in the way she acts, not in what happens in the actual show because it breaks canon entirely. You texted me too with the Celebrimbor not actually coming up with the idea to split the rings into three and, and that being Galadriel's idea instead. You know, these are simple things. Like you're talking about, you know this based on small scrappings of writing and they're going to deviate from that for what reason? There's no, you already have Celebrimbor in the building. Why not just make him have the idea himself? You already have him in the building. It's not like he's somewhere else or they... He's already there. Like you're, you're already getting there, and then they deviate at the last second and make it wrong. And so there's all these little spots where you're like, okay, it could be good. They're following it. They're following it. They're following it. And then boom, and the big drop hits, and you're like, well, that doesn't make any sense, and that never happened in the books or in the writing. So the, this is for naught. And that was the whole show for me. And even my dad, who just watched the movies, he watched all the movies, never read any of the books. He was like no, this doesn't feel like Sauron to me. Like this, this, this feels a little ridiculous. Like this, the, he didn't really get the whole thing. And, and so I don't know, man, it's, it's even as a normie mostly because you guys know a lot about it more than me. It, it, it falls flat because the big moments that are supposed to affect you and are supposed to make you feel like this is an amazing show with great twists. Well, they're not actually great twists because they shouldn't exist. Mm-hmm. Or they yeah. were so easy to predict that the only reason why we didn't, we 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 never allowed us ourselves to be sure about it was because we thought for we thought there's no way they're this dumb. There's no way they telegraph this. So I will combat. I will combat on the Sauron point. My dad had no thoughts whatsoever as to whether Halbrand would be Sauron. So I feel like maybe for people that are not on social media that are normies. They might be confused, like my dad, like a 50-year-old guy that doesn't go on Twitter and just watch the movies. Like maybe it didn't get some people that like don't pay attention. Yeah. But for people that pay attention, you see right through it like yourself. Well, yeah. the reason – the entire reason they did it, and they said this in an interview, and I'm sure we'll go over that interview at some point in the future. Um, but they said that they did that so that they could confuse the lore guys, the lore fans. Oh. <laughs> they thought they were going to pull one over on us. They really did. And that yeah, shows was... the level of, of silliness and hubris involved in their writings. <laughs> they were, were so, so obvious from the get-go. So something that, that so something that I said months ago when Jacob and I originally uh, debuted the pod, something that I was really looking forward to is watching Sauron as Anatar on screen, knowing as the the viewer that that's Anatar, but Anatar is corrupting all in in you know everybody in Eregion, uh, you know trying to corrupt the dwarves and the men, succeeding. Um, I one of my one of the things that I was looking forward to in the show was sitting there on the couch and I'm like screaming at my television like look, like he's right there, like you know don't. don't 
be fooled, right? Like, you know how many mm-hmm. times you watch Revenge of the Sith, right? Yeah. Um, you're praying. Every, every time I watch Revenge of the Sith, I'm praying that Mace Windu just guts Palpatine right there every time. It doesn't matter how many times I watch that movie. Every time I'm sitting there, like, squeezing yep. the nearest pillow and cushion on my couch. Like, do it, yep. do it. And that's mm-hmm. what I wanted to feel in the show. I did not need there to be some incredible Sauron reveal. I wanted to know who Sauron was off the bat, and I wanted to watch him work well, his way into minds of people. And I think my biggest issue here is the showrunners acting as if they did this masterclass plot with Halbran. The Everyone was calling it from episode two and like it was episode two and everyone was like that's that's Halbrand I knew it was Halbrand the second mm-hmm. he was in Numenor at the freaking forge just taking over and doing whatever like it, it was it was like this it was like like oh I want a forge I really like forging I was like oh okay okay yeah. Sauron Seriously. and then that episode he beats up you know five Numenorians yeah. and you're like oh it, it, it's, Sau- it's Sauron it's Sauron to be the, fair like well, Knowing that he's Sauron, I'm more okay with the fact that he dummied five Numenorians and he walked mm-hmm. in and immediately forged the best Numenorian blade they've seen in that specific forge in a long time. And Jacob, I'm going to get right back to you. But like me watching it, King of the Southlands, if he was not Sauron and he did all that, that's just horrible and it's it's downplays all the Numenorian might. So, you know, second, mm-hmm. when he's begging to stay in Numenor, I'm sitting there. I'm like, this guy is so Sauron. I, I think my issue is that the showrunners think they pulled this massive, you know, master plan, like, you know, like top notch television. When in reality, the whole time I wanted to know who Anatar Sauron was off the bat. And I wanted to watch him work his way gradually into poisoning the minds around him and screaming at my television for people not to. Mm-hmm. It's my issue here is the showrunners think that they they duped a bunch of people. They didn't. Everybody knew it from the bat. It's mm-hmm. horrible show oh. writing. Jacob, I know you had it, an opinion. Sorry. Yeah, and that and that shows the disrespect of the lore because now in order to have that effect, you have to go back and rewatch the season. So any first time viewer isn't going to have that full effect of getting to watch Halbrand slowly deceive. Now you have to go back all the way to episode one and see what Halbrand was doing from the first time you see him and now you get to go, Oh, Oh, Oh. And, and not now that you definitively know. And, and so. Well, that's what they wanted. That's what they wanted you to do. Right. And, but they're disrespecting the Lord by doing that because you're supposed to know who Sauron is like CJ saying, you're not supposed to have some sort of guess, and you're especially not supposed to have some sympathetic arc for the character, which is what they do because all I see on social media from the people that stand this show, which again, good for you, but they they're sympathetic to Halbrand. They're like, oh, I'm so sad to see Halbrand be Sauron. I loved him, or like all these ridiculous. And it's like you're not supposed to like have any anything toward like you're supposed to hate that character full on, no question about it. If they were good writers, they would have us. Like so, if they're good writers, um, they would have us like like him in spite of ourselves as Anatar. If they knew how to write, which they don't, um, and that's become incredibly obvious, like they could have shown us Anatar because they're not going to, again, they're not going to fool us. But normally, who haven't watched, who don't read the book, they would still be fooled by Anatar. Yeah. Yeah. And so they could go back and be like, oh my gosh, Anatar was sour on the whole time. We had no idea. (laughs) But all of us would be watching and it's like, no, but their, their job should have been to make us like. Anatar, despite knowing who who he is, the same as Milton did, because they've referenced Milton in their interviews. They think that they're almost as good as him in making uh, Satan an antihero that you almost want to root for in uh, Paradise Lost. But we all know who Satan is. Yeah. The brilliance of Paradise Lost is that we know him, and you still feel some sympathy for him. Right. It's like the Lucifer character, or like something, you know, stuff like mm-hmm. that. Like yeah. at the end of the day, like like if there was some sort of Sauron like like arc later down the line, or a couple pieces of the dialogue where, yes, Sauron is really evil, but there's like almost an internal battle within him of like I'm crossing the line, I'm going overboard. I don't know, but if it's something that is internally with him, and it is not represented externally to to the orcs under him. To, to the men he enslaves, 
to the elves. Like as long as it's like an internal battle of I've strayed too far from the path, but I've made my decision. I choose to basically be fully evil. That is fine. If you want to give me some sort of like internal battle for me to feel somewhat bad about Sauron, okay, fine. I don't care. But when you're going to portray it to elves and, and, and whoever, to men as like, I don't want to leave Numenor. I want to stay here and do some good. I want to do this. I want to do that for the elves. I want to blah, 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 you know? And you're like, this is not it. This isn't it. And I know we'll touch more on that, but problem is with the show, way too predictable. Dialogue was horrible. The storytelling was really, really, really bad. Everything was way too fast. And when you watch Middle Earth, when you are transported to Middle Earth, what is some of the things that Tolkien takes hours on end in his books? Lines upon lines, pages upon pages describing the freaking landscape, a rock, a tree, a bush, a mountain over in like, like mm-hmm. we, we watched the Lord of the Rings. We watched a, a Middle Earth adaptation that didn't even respect the world, just just the landscape, the, the trees, the, mm-hmm. the, the mountains, like everything. But that only we, that was that was all just lip service. Yeah, it, it was it was, it was uh, our own deer being sad about having to cut down a giant tree. Because one of his friends died for no reason. In a scene that makes no sense. Yep. In a scene that means nothing. Because cutting they don't even show us the cut down tree. And you know what? I want to say There's no fulfillment. He, he he hits the tree with a stupid dole axe. Yeah. And then the next thing we get, the tree isn't even there. Like yeah. it's not that you see it cut down. You don't see it cut down. You just and, see the roots that you had before. And Sorry. this is this is a little off topic here, but I want to say something else. Could you imagine his warden? The the warden from um, Ostirith or whatever they call the Elven Tower, mm-hmm. um, the Watch the Warden, Elven, not so Elven Tower. I don't know, whatever. That warden would have been a good Celebrimbor. I'm sorry, he was assertive. He had his own mind. He didn't in in I don't know. He just looked way more like an elf. Anyway, all right. So we're gonna go on to the first part of our schedule. Uh, we're gonna talk about the Harfoots uh, and uh, the Stranger and these Morgoth worshippers. They took up about half of the show. Um, their half and Aregion uh, is what we're gonna be covering today because those were the two biggest things. So, something that we predicted a long time ago was that the Stranger was gonna be Gandalf. I would like to say something. I was wrong that the Harfoots were going to be the worst part of the show. They were not even close to being the worst part of the show in my eyes. I think the actors and actresses did a fantastic job. Were they really a part of the canon? Not really. Did I need to see all of their journeys? Probably not. I did not mind the Harfoots nearly as much as many other portions of the show. And at times towards the end, they were a little bit of a five to ten minute therapy within episodes because I didn't feel like the lore was getting crapped on left and right. So having said that, let's dive in here. These Morgoth worshippers are the literal most cringe thing in the show. I could not believe what I was watching. None of the performances from the actors or from the actresses were, in my opinion, at all compelling. I found it to be very cheesy. The outfits really cheesy. The acting really cheesy. The all of a sudden blowing flame from your hand and, and quenching it and being a shapeshifter all in one. What in the world are we doing here? You're basically gifting this being these insane superpowers that are akin to Sauron and Gandalf. And honestly, even more so than what they are supposed to be in the book, because for pretty, and Elijah, tell me if I'm wrong. If you're a Maiar spirit and you constantly shapeshift and, and transform, you're actually going to lose that ability over time. And that was what I had originally read and, and took from the lore. And this Morgoth worshiper, every five seconds, is duping people for being a damn mannequin for somebody else's body. Like, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's crazy to me. And, and if you're going to put these Morgoth worshippers in there, then they need to be some really scary, freaky cult. That, that are dressing in, in all black and and just more so akin to what the mouth of Sauron was in in the Lord of the Rings books, not so much as this. They honestly look like uh, adult Powerpuff girls with spit and fire from their hands, and it was just bad. Yep, yep. I, yeah, I, think, like, I think the best point that was made was the point that, uh, that Nerd of the Rings made, which was, there was some over-explained plots, like the Mithril, 
And then there's some really underexplained plots like this one where there's zero explanation for where these characters really come from, how they get their powers, what they are, nothing. Like you get no information at all. And then there's other plots where you don't really care about them that much and they, they over-explain to death. And so this was an example of if you're going to try and put these characters into this show, at least try to make them compelling. And they weren't at all. And they were totally stupid. And less, like you're not afraid of them. I knew that they were going to be non-threats. The second that they captured the wizard and the Harfoots were coming, I'm like, up oh, here comes the, the rescue. And he's going to activate and become good. And he's obviously not Sauron. And it, it, it just wasn't a compelling thing. And... I have to say, too, I was kind of sort of underwhelmed by the CGI in the scene. I got to say, like, you're telling me billion dollar budget and that light beam that was coming out of, quote unquote, Gandalf's staff. And that's the best you could do. Like, it looked like 2005, like the Peter Jackson movies, like that looked good for oh, 2005, not for 2022. Yeah, Peter Jackson's movies um, with the with the magic from rods or, or, or elves and whatever it is any magic in the in the movies i thought was done really practically and honestly it holds up just yeah. so and, and i think you make a really good point they were really under explained and there's a scene in the hobbit in the unexpected uh unexpected journey unexpected adventure what's what's the first one called again Une, unexpected that's uh, oh, unexpected journey unexpected journey yep so galadriel is in rivendell right and this is not canon, obviously. This is a scene that was a little bit more fan service. A little White Council scene. Galadriel, Elrond, mm-hmm. Saruman, Gandalf, right? But I she, love that scene. She gives a really powerful description as to what this blade is that Gandalf brings to the table. And Galadriel explains that, you know, this was one of the Nazgul's blades. They were they were buried in a tomb so dark. It was maybe a two and a half minute explanation, but it was powerful. And you as a fan were like, if you if you hadn't watched Lord of the Rings, you immediately were like, this is explained to me. This is what it is. This is what was in Dol Guldur. Like, right. Where is that when it comes to these people, the, these Morgoth worshippers? You could have given us a two and a half minute explanation from some random character of, of who they were. And and there is none. You just throw mm-hmm. these people in the damn show. And, and and there's no there's no names, no nothing, nothing to go off of. No, they're see, just... they're given titles. The ascetic, the dweller, and something else I don't know. But yeah. that's only in the subtitles of the X-ray. So <laughs> other than that, which I, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have to read a companion thing to know what is going on in your show. That is not good writing. That is not good television. That's not good storytelling. That's not good filmmaking. I shouldn't have to go outside of your product to know what is going on inside that product. Yeah, absolutely. And and yes, these, these, these three being whatever the heck they are, are like I said, they're, they're so cheesy. They make no sense. They, they have no bearing. They have no, no, there's there's nothing like them in Tolkien's Middle Earth. They show up, they come up out of nowhere. They don't really do anything except try to tell the Ga- Gandalf because it's Gandalf that um, he's Sauron, which we already knew was not the case because we all knew that that Halbrand was Sauron. So it I mean, was just a stupid fake out. I mean, do we think at all? I mean, just to consider this at all. I mean, Lord of the Rings said that they might be trying to dupe you with that. It's not Gandalf because he said that they're going into the East and in the movies, Gandalf said he would never go to the East. And so maybe it really is a blue wizard. Well, and just so in the book, he says in, in, uh, I don't know if it's fellowship. I believe it's fellowship. Um, he says to the East, I go not. Um, but again, that's the third age. They're putting yeah. him in the second age. So who I, knows? I, I, I will. I will say for for. Let me just recap this part. Obviously, so so anybody that's listening and, and a little bit confused, Harfoots help save stranger. Stranger saves Harfoots from Morgoth worshippers. Morgoth worshippers get banished in a very Nazgul esque. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, they uh, turn into Nazgul, and it it's it, it was it was very like you basically the showrunners come up with these pretty much original characters um and they banish them in a very copycat way from 
uh, Shadow of War and um, Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. They were banished mm-hmm. in a way that was just not original. So I understand yeah. wanting to copy some things from Peter Jackson because he got stuff like pretty accurate to what you're reading. But at the same time, you're going to come up with these original characters and make them basically Nazgul. But then you ban it. Like, I don't know. It's just it, it's such a cop out on their end. Yeah. But like the, so they imitate stuff that isn't in the books that Peter Jackson did. Like the one of these ladies and apparently she has a magical staff, which the staff was not what channeled Gandalf's magic. Um, yeah. But it's just something that he used. But they, they use the fight between Saruman and Gandalf as the blueprint for this fight between Gandalf and these these aesthetic uh, aesthetics or whatever the heck they are. And it is done so badly that I was dying to rewatch the scene from Fellowship. As cheesy as that scene is, it is gold it, it is it is the gold standard for this. And I was missing Lesney's uh, Andrew Lesney's cinematography because this cinematography sucked. The way that they shot it sucked. The action sequences it looked so bad. Yep. I mean, I'm watching it on a 65 inch 4K, so I'm not watching it on a on a bad quality TV. This is clear as I can get, and it looks awful. And then when okay, so in in The Hobbit, when uh, Gandalf, um, Galadriel, Elrond, and Saruman are fighting the Nazgul in a non canonical scene that I don't actually care for very much, um, it makes sense that they can see the Nazgul forms in their Nazgul form because elves exist in the, in both worlds. So they can see in the unseen world as well as the, the physical world. Um, and so that scene doesn't break lore in this, the, it shows their wraith forms that the Harfoots can see despite not having a ring, despite not existing on both planes of existence. And it's yeah. done just to give you the image, and it's all cribbed straight from Jackson, because they have no originality. They can't figure out how to do anything on their own. Yeah, and and I'm gonna I, I want to touch a little bit on that towards the end of the show too about the showrunners. But basically, in this Harfoot scene, you know, um, Istar Wizard, right, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> is you know uh, banishing these. Um, people away right he does it and you know they're go back to the shadow to end this harfoot stuff i want to say i jay uh elijah i couldn't tell if you're trolling me or not but i kind of agree with what you were saying in the chat i felt the the goodbye from from nori um to her family when she's gonna embark on this journey with whichever wizard this is um if vegas opened up odds it would probably be overwhelmingly favorite gandalf but um (laughs) You know that goodbye was actually really good. It was a powerful scene. Now, did it was it was it very long scene? Yes. Did I want to? That's get back Lord of the Rings, it? though. Was that? that? If anything's Lord of the Rings, that's that extended farewell scenes. I agree. That was and 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 I hate to say it, that was one of the most Lord or, or Middle Earth Tolkien esque scenes. That goodbye was powerful. There was a feeling of loss from the family. And a feeling of, you know, let them go, you know, let them do their thing. I mean, it, it, it was, you know, somewhat, you know, in a very mini way, that same goodbye that Frodo did at the, at the, uh, Gandalf and Frodo and Bilbo did at, um, the Grey Havens. I mean, obviously nowhere near that powerful, but you definitely felt to yourself sorrow, but excitement. And a lot of where I find Tolkien's world to really cook me every time I read it is there is sorrow and excitement and suspensefulness and powerfulness in all the writing. And I felt like it was, it was blended pretty mm-hmm. beautifully in that scene. Um, and then, you know, obviously we have fake Gandalf, whatever you want to call him, the stranger um, who I think Daniel Wayman is a great actor. And I think he did a really good job in his, in his role. Um, he says, when in doubt, Nori, follow your nose. That was immediately straight from Gandalf's scene in uh, Moria and the minds of Moria as to which, uh, road to take at the pass that they were on the crossroad. And Nori asks, "Which way do we go?" Just like Frodo, I don't know where to go. Which way do we go? And yeah. how do you go east by following your nose? And, yeah, and and 
you know, I, I guess we'll wrap up the Harfoot um, stuff here. Um, let me ask we, you guys this. Or, or, like, just give me, like, not so, not rapid fire, but give me a quick, quick your thoughts. Is this Gandalf? Is this not? If you were a betting man, are you betting that this is a, this is not Gandalf or it is? It is. It, it's going to be, but, um, it, which really disappoints me. And it t- I'm not happy that it is at all. I texted CJ in all caps, no. Like I, that was my number one. I did not want it to be Gandalf because he was one of my favorite characters from Lord of the Rings. Uh, I always loved Gandalf. I mean, everyone does, but you don't you don't want that character to be changed. And that's the yeah, first yeah. one that like really really affected me because I love Galadriel and everything, but uh, you know at least she existed in that time. So whatever they're doing with her is just even though it's it's triggering, it's just a different adaptation, whether right or wrong. At least she was in that time period. This is just, if it's Gandalf, the most egregious possible thing you could do because he didn't, he was not in that time period whatsoever. And they're rewriting the character entirely. And that, that just bothers me to like the core. So, and when I was going through my thoughts about the episode to begin with, I almost forgot about the whole Harfoot storyline because I was just so mad about the Galadriel and Sauron scene that I almost forget about how much it angered me about the Gandalf stuff because you don't want that character to be changed. That character should be to the movies and to the movies only. And that's another thing. Like this is Ian McKellen's legacy. Like now we're just going to, I, I, again, the actor was fine. I'm not saying the actor was bad, but like Ian McKellen is an iconic Gandalf. And now they're recasting the character by rewriting it, which I think gives this actor not a fair shake at the character and puts some unfair weight on his shoulders that he now has to do something that shouldn't even be happening. So it that definitely disappointed me, and I don't want it to be Gandalf, but it will be. Yeah, I mean it's definitely Gandalf. And you know, going back to your the Hobbit Harfoot goodbye, I mean I hated the Harfoots in this. It's not I they they were completely superfluous. They had nothing to do with the other stories, so their entire storyline is meaningless, and it just takes away from everything else that you could be doing. You know, they, they spent probably an hour of total screen time on the Harfoots. They could have spent an hour of total screen time on the Dwarves, on Galadriel, on Numenor, on Eregion, anything but the Harfoots. Because they don't have any impact on anything. They have no impact. And when they say goodbye, I'm, I'm sorry, I felt nothing. You know, I know um, uh, Nord of the Rings said, you know, as a dad, he felt something. You know, I'm a dad. I've got four kids. I barely remembered that she had a sister. <laughs> Yeah, the sister played no role whatsoever. Like it was okay. completely pointless. I, you know, like I did, you know, there was a sense of ba- of of sadness when she says goodbye to her best friend because you got more of their relationship. But the relationship with her dad, we didn't see that. Relationship with her stepmom, we really didn't see that one either. It's like we didn't yeah, find no, out until like I, the third episode with them that she had a stepmom. So yeah. we're going to go to a regular here. Let me recap. So Galadriel and Halbrand I, I'm a little bit confused. Uh, the Southland people are fully um, in turmoil. Uh, I find it incredibly comical that the Southlanders immediately accepted this Halbrand, especially Bronwyn, who they built up to be way better of a character than she turned out to be, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. She he emerges from the tent insanely wounded. Sauron Halbrand emerges from the tent, the Numenorian camp, wounded. And Bronwyn's on her knees, hail to the king, health to the king, God save the king, basically. And I'm like, have you guys ever met this dude? Oh, and by the way, in two minutes, he's going to get on a horseback and he's going to go to Oregion. He's leaving you. you. You don't have a place to live. You are in a Numenorean encampment. The Numenoreans are about to leave. And your so-called king that you're chanting his name is leaving you. Okay, makes perfect sense. So Sauron Halbrand gets on the horse, uh, his own horse. Galadriel gets on hers, and they are doing a six-day, six-night, all-day, all-nighter to Eregion, while Halbrand is wounded to the point where you cannot ride with that wound. Uh, he's going to do it for six days, six straight nights. Sure, fine, whatever. Um, they get to Regian, and this is where the show completely crumbles, crashes, and burns for me. You're going to tell me that the elven healers 
that have been around for thousands of years. You're going to tell me that Gilglad, the High King of the Noldor, been around for thousands of years. Celebrimbor, thousands of years. These are the noblest of elves, the ones that have seen it all. They have fought against Morgoth. They have already fought against Sauron. They have fought against the most wretched beings in the world. You're going to tell me that no one from the wound could not spot with their elven senses that this was Sauron? Is this, or at the very least, that this was not a mere mortal. Mm-hmm. I'm In the books, the men of Gondor can, can basically immediately tell that Aragorn was no mere mortal was no mere man just walking through the streets. This was a guy who commanded uh, um, a, a presence, a glow to him, almost. Somebody that was enlightened. You're going to tell me that the elves can't spot a freaking Maiar when they see one? Honestly, it's insane to me. And then they're going to heal Sauron. And then Sauron's going to get wake up, go upstairs to Celebrimbor. You know, honor Celebrimbor. This is the great Celebrimbor. And then they're going to start forging together as best pals. And then the red flags start to pop up. And I will say this. Let me let me give the show it's a little bit of credit. I got a little bit of goosebumps. I did. I, uh, when when Galadriel starting to realize that she's been duped for, yes. for, for a long time, I did get a little bit of sense of excitement, some goosebumps. That was where she was Galadriel for me. Agreed. I felt a little bit of like, ooh, 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 okay, all right, let's get to the, the meaty part here. Let's do this. She confronts him by the water. And I did get a little bit of, of goosebumps and some anxiety and some stress and, and what you want to get from a TV show when he's when he goes, you know, I've had many faces and many names. I was awake before the breaking of the silence or of the world or whatever. Yeah, breaking of the first I was silence. Like, this, was, this was good. It was good. But the problem was, it's, it, none of this happened. That's the problem. If this was a standalone show and it didn't say based on J.R.R. Tolkien, I would have told you, like, dude, that was some powerful stuff right there. Mm-hmm. But um, but unfortunately, like Jacob has said before, it takes away from the moment when we know that this did not happen, when we know that this could have been done way better, way, way better, more organically. And then after this powerful scene, we get this Halbrand. Telling Galadriel in her in her mind, you didn't need to do any of this. I'm trying to heal the world. I'm not trying to be evil. Why did you? You're the one who brought me back to being evil. I was trying to be good, mm-hmm. which is truthfully insane. Galadriel wakes up in the river. Elrond pulls her out. There's not a single ounce of her that says, Elrond, Sauron is here in this in the city. Nope, that doesn't happen. Okay, let's go up to the forge. Halbrand is not to be treated with again. No, not... So, so this Galadriel has been crazed in trying to find Sauron for the entire show. Mm-hmm. That is why she led elves to their death in the north to find this Sauron and raise the alarm that he's alive. And then she finds Sauron. She is in one of the chief elven capitals of the of Middle-earth, surrounded by what you would believe to be the finest craftsmen and warriors that the elves have. And she does not to say to a single person that Sauron is in this city. So she gets up to the forge, and then Elrond's like, oh, hold the phone. Something's off here. Where's Halbrand? He's just disappeared. He's vanished. I'm going to go down, and I'm going to grab the scroll. Grabs the scroll. Immediately clicks. This is not a man. This is Sauron. This is this is an immortal spirit. Whatever it is, goes up to the forge. No one wants to tell Celebrimbor. No one wants to tell any of the other other elves that they just housed, healed, fed, gave gave Sauron a forge, let him corrupt minds. Well, that hey, that's how they tease you for season two. But sure, but like that's just not. It, it just makes no sense. But again, these are the, when you when you're downplaying the most wise characters in the world, Elrond and Galadriel. Outside of Gandalf in in Saruman in Middle Earth, they were and are the most wise. They were the most wise beings in the entire world. Outside of in Middle Earth, I should say, right? <clears throat> and you and you're basically like they're gonna hold it a damn secret. I just I just saw Sauron. Like I'm just gonna keep it a secret. But it makes 
absolutely no sense. Sauron, you know, he makes his way to Mordor. He's there within five seconds, and he's got his cloak on, Halbrand or whatever, and he's looking at Mount Doom. Cool scene overlooking the plains of Gorgoroth, and, and, and it's a cool scene. I don't mind that. Everything leading up to it was horrible. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing I'll say, Galadriel coming up with the idea to forge the Three Rings and completely taking a shite on Celebrimbor. Again, reducing another character to it to enhance Galadriel's. I don't understand why you would do that. Makes no sense, but it happened. Guys, give me your thoughts. Jacob, why don't you go first? <laughs> so, well, the thing is, is that, like, I, I agree with everything you're saying. I mean, there, there's, like, I couldn't put it better myself. You know, that this stuff is just complete deviations from the lore and there's no sticking up for it. There's no justification for it. And, and, you know, I, again, like, like I just said, Oh, they're teasing us for season two with this conversation. And that's where the show lacks to me too. It feels like a TV show that way. Right. It's like, Oh, well, that's how they get you to wait. And then, uh, and, and this was a moment that we, for we, we kind of skipped over the Numenor stuff a little bit. We don't have to go back to it uh, very much, but they did another season two tease as well and this is another this is something that i don't think is going to go over well when the next season comes out the scene where forget her name but in numenor she pulls the curtain off or the the the, the cover off of the sphere and they don't show you what's under it. and so i don't think that moment or the, this conversation being continued moment will be remembered in two years so i think they're teasing you for specific moments that are going to come boom in season two, episode one, and a lot of people might just go, oh, I don't even remember that scene because it was two years ago and I've seen 17 TV shows and 15 movies since then, and I'm not thinking about it all the time. So, yeah, again, I agree with everything you're saying. Deviations from the lore takes away from everything, and it, it, it just is not enjoyable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what I guess, like, and then we'll go to Elijah. I guess what I'm trying to say here is, like, the reveal of, of Sauron, which we all knew was going to be Sauron, was a was there there was a scene that was powerful in that yeah right? no it's a scene by the river with galadriel and everything leading up to it i did not mind you you felt like when you're watching that season finale you're like something big is gonna yes happen. and again i have to give credit where it's due you were hooked watching it whether you were hooked on hating it or whether you were hooked on yes it, you were not going to turn the tv off you were going to watch it i'm sorry but it is true the problem is I would literally give everything in Eregion that happened in that episode an A plus if it was closer to the lore. If the damn I agree. That if if Galadriel if there was no Halbrand ever and Galadriel gets to Eregion and there's this Anatar that's there helping Celebrimbor forge the rings and giving him all this otherworldly advice on what to do, and Galadriel snuffed him out immediately and was like, No, I don't trust you. And then instead of Halbrand at that river, it's Anatar the Elf. Dude, I, I would be like, bravo, bravo. Like, genuinely good. This is good. But I can't. Again, it takes away from everything. The scene, the power, the powerful. You finally give me good writing. You finally give me a good scene. And unfortunately, I cannot fully love it. Why? Because, dude, you made up all this shit. And you didn't do it organically to well, get here. You give me one good scene, but everything in it was a bunch of road like roadblock, chop, 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 crap, 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 really bad, leading up to this one scene. And, and I think the worst part too is they basically make Sauron Galadriel's fault, and it, it that's probably the the worst part about it because you have people on social media talking about that. Again, again, Galadriel was never once a single time um, duped by Sauron. Mm -hmm. She was never once betrayed, deceived ever. She snuffed him out from the yeah. Beginning. And I guarantee you, they're gonna do they're gonna do the oh. normal plot where it's oh she's gonna feel terrible about this. How could I have possibly let this happen to me? And then she's gonna be reminded, you are the symbol of light. You prevail over all. You know, get your confidence back. And I guarantee you, that's the season two arc. Like that's what I mean about this being a TV show where it's like these these ridiculous character arcs that are so predictable i could already see it coming that's that's galadriel season two arc her guilt over sauron and how she overcomes it and realizes oh i'm the lady of light mm -hmm. despite the fact that throughout this entire season we've not seen one iota of light in her nothing yeah, which that was the arc of this season before. Was punching a kid in the face for singing her stupid shit 
<laughs> Dude, she she was genuinely a Galadriel was no joke the villain of the season. Mm-hmm. She led the Numenorians to her death. She led other elves to death. Mm-hmm. Well, she led the Southlanders to death. Well, she didn't. Instead of evacuating the area. Again, but there, so there was no reason whatsoever for Galadriel to think that, that there was a, an explosion in the volcano. She didn't know anything about the sword. She didn't know anything about Adar's plan. Arondir and Bronwyn had an idea that the sword is bad news and that they didn't have it, but they didn't say anything. So nothing that happens is actually her fault beyond her doing exactly what she believes has to be done. Because if she hadn't gone to Mount Doom, all the Southlanders would be dead. Or Mordor. Like, all of them. So people died under her command? Sure. But that happens in war. I'm sure she feels bad about the people dying, but she didn't make a wrong choice there. At no point did she make a wrong decision in this. By what we're shown on screen. Like, her going to the Southlands wasn't a bad idea. It's the only thing that kept the Southlanders alive. And again, everything that happened would have happened regardless. But she saved a lot of lives. Because, yes, some died, but a lot lived. Right, um, and that's anyway, going to be the plot, that you that this wasn't your fault and you can't control what you can't control, blah, blah, blah. Like, that, I just see it. Mm-hmm. And she's the Lady of Light. You know, at one point, Sauron on this says, only I can see your light. What light are you talking about? You are saying it, but you have not shown it, which is one of the biggest problems in this show. They say a lot of things, but they don't show, they show hardly any of it. They don't know how to create television. They do not know how to tell a story in a visual medium. They have no idea. They spell things out when they don't need to, and they don't spell things out when they actually need to. They have no idea where that, the, the, where that has to be done. And it's maddening. But for me to go through the, the Red Gion, since you guys have, and I'm, I'm going to... Okay, so Galadriel goes there. Six days of hard riding with this guy who's got a gut wound that's infected severely to the point that they said that there was nothing they could do for him, which would kill you in the best of times in a few days. They managed to go six days. Hard riding. In, like, riding a horse is the worst thing you can do with an open wound, especially one in your gut because you're jostling constantly and that wound cannot close and it cannot heal. So you just keep bleeding and oozing and losing energy and, and power because of it. And you, you, she, he would die so soon. But because he's Sauron, we know he doesn't. But Galadriel is his biggest defender, his best friend. She's had not an inkling that he's been bad this entire show. But she hears one line from Celebrimbor. And she's like, have you been talking to Halbrand? She immediately deduces it and immediately starts suspecting uh, Halbrand without imagining that, oh, it could come from another source. It has to come from Halbrand. And all of a sudden, Vickers is, is acting all creepy and weird when he's not been acting that way this whole show. So you get completely different characters in this episode from the characters that you've had in the previous episodes for no reason whatsoever, except that the plot has to happen because they're not growing organically. They just do what the plot requires. And I, I do think, I mean, I agree with you that scene where, um, how Grin comes out of Sauron is a really good scene. TV wise. It is better written. It is really well acted. Like when Vickers turns on, Sauron? Yeah. It was great. It was per I, I really, really it liked great. it. The casting was great. Like when he says, like, I've been, you know, I've had many names since, you know, before the the, the breaking of the first silence. That was a great line, and he delivered it so was well. Badass. Like he turned was on badass. that menace. But also he had the charm until he didn't, because the plot had to happen. He had to go to evil for Galadriel to join him. And she they they tried to do a, a temptation of Christ in the desert scene with Galadriel and Halbrand. But the things that they give her for him to tempt her with are not things that she struggled with in the show. He's tempting her with, with uh, aspects of her character that we haven't seen. Like, you could rule with me. It's like, I would you would bind me to the light and I would bind you to power. At what point have we seen that she wants power? All she wants is vengeance in this show. That's all it's shown us. She just wants to kill orcs and kill Sauron. That is the only thing we've seen. So why would she want to rule? Why is that a temptation to her? But it also takes away from her in the third age when she refuses the ring. The ring is infused with Sauron's power to rule. It's infused with Sauron's very soul. 
he puts a ton of his Feya into it to make sure that it is powerful enough to control all the other beings that have rings. Which doesn't work on the dwarves, but that's another story. <clears throat> um, and so she, when she rejects the ring from Frodo in uh, in that scene in Lothlorien, she is rejecting Sauron and she's rejecting the power to rule that she has desired. She went to Middle-earth to establish her own realm. Just like Finrod wanted to do her brother, her brother wanted to go and establish his own realm, and he did, with Nargothrond. Um, but Galadriel doesn't until the Second Age, and then in the Third Age, she still fights against that desire to fully rule. Yes, she is kind of the ruler of Lothlorien, but she was invited there. She didn't take it or build it up herself. The Galathrim invited her and Celeborn to be their, their leaders. So it's an aspect of humility, and um, for her to refuse the ring now, well, she's already refused power before, so why is it a big deal? We've already seen that she can refuse power with no problem in the worst possible situations to a person she has, from all we've seen from the show, a romantic connection to Halbrand. Yeah, and 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 it, it's it's so true. Like like everything that you just said. Like especially the part where like where has where has she ever see like been been seeking some sort of a power? Where when has she ever been a, like wanting a title, wanting to be a queen, wanting to be a ruler of a land or, or a fiefdom or, or whatever under Gilglad? Where has she ever? Where have we ever been seeing her trying to move her way up into the elven ranks politically? Where where you know whereas Elrond is is actually outright trying to become an elven lord, mm-hmm. right? And, and doing right. In the, the lore, he is an elven lord. He is the descendant yeah. from two lines of kings in Thingol yeah, and in, sure. in uh, Turgon. Is it Turgon? Yeah, and and it, and I I yeah. think I, I I think my my thing is is I actually don't mind the way that they did Elrond in the show, where he's actually learning under Gilgalad, like hand in hand, being the emissary for Linden, mm-hmm. going to. Aregion and being the the immediate um, ambassador for Celebrimbor. I mean, these are huge moments. These are huge. And like in the Second Age, Elrond isn't as old as everybody else. Mm-hmm. He isn't. But the thing is, is he's fast-tracked to this position of stature of, no, 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 you are my right-hand man and Celebrimbor's right-hand man and Galadriel's best friend. I'm co- I'm cool with that. Where they screwed up was a little bit of a slip in the lines where they're like, you know, elven lord this, whatever. Mm-hmm. But like he can be an elven lord under the tutelage of Gilgalad. He can be an elven lord under the tutelage of Celebrimbor because he's younger and he's not he hasn't yet developed a kingdom of his own, which he does in Inladris. Um later on, and you know, I assume the show might show it. I mean who knows? They they they're they're playing so fast and loose with the lore that I, I just don't care where they go with this anymore. I don't. Yeah. So, so, but I guess what I'm what I'm saying here is, there has been no, you know, like where Galadriel would would you know wants to be a queen or whatever that that Sauron is really tapping into, and maybe maybe Sauron Sauron I guess just screwed up and the showrunners had him had him put that in there to try to sway Galadriel, but the showrunners version of Galadriel does not care about this right now. She does not care about it at all, and that's why it was maybe so easy for Galadriel to refuse. Sauron's call and I, I do think that that scene of them on the raft uh, and, and you know the reflection in the water is uh, all fully armor clad Sauron in a glowing Gladriel there I, I thought it was cool um, I'm just I'm just very happy that Sauron um, or, or Gladriel fully rejected Sauron in the end I, I, and, and didn't feel some sort of remorse or whatever right afterwards she, she immediately got back to her hatred of and she seems to be hating herself for doing what she did and also hating Sauron again, which was good, because I even in the lore, Galadriel never liked like Anatar, never liked anybody in Sau- you know, Sauron or whatever. Absolutely not. I mean, I, so mm-hmm. I guess that part is somewhat accurate. Yeah. I mean, the way like, they did it was poor, but the root of it is Galadriel really dislikes, hates. Galadriel Sauron knew and, that Anatar wasn't um, wasn't to be trusted, but she didn't know who he was. He was yeah, he was exactly. able to conceal his nature, but couldn't conceal <clears throat> everything. So Galadriel, Gilgalad, Elrond all see right through his emissaries, his envoys. They don't trust him. Um, yeah. But and... the smiths of Eregion are you know do this, and and, Gl- and Galadriel in this period is actually the ruler of Eregion with her husband Celebrimbor. That's the one realm that they actually found themselves. Um, and I can only imagine like a way they could have spun this is that she doesn't kick him out. 
because the the uh, the um, Gwaithi Mirdine, uh Dane, whatever, um, you know, prevent her from doing so. You know, they overrule her as fellow lords because in Tolkien, the the kings don't just do things because they can. They also have lords and other yeah. stuff, and they take counsel and they do things, even things they don't want to do, on the counsel of their lords. Um, yep, and um, I guess yeah. So so yeah, I think we're all on the same page there, and mm-hmm. and we're gonna dive. I think we're gonna dive like way deeper into, this, especially this subject in our next pod. Um, but I want to wrap up the, our, our pod here um, with a couple thoughts, and then we're gonna have a very deep dive again very soon. Another pod will be dropping directly after this about uh, the showrunners, the future of some of these characters, and how they and, and how the showrunners really leaned on it on, and they I think they put a lot of their eggs in one basket and that basket was Galadriel and they were really hoping that this character would hit and I think unfortunately it didn't this portrayal of Gal- Galadriel actually spelled a lot of doom for them whereas a, a re- the, around the show the other characters Elendil done very well I, I think that that is a good Elendil I think his stature in Numenor was downplayed a lot that's the only problem with the actor the lines I don't think were bad he even had a really good example. couple of lines in this in this episode when he talks with Muriel about what it means to be faithful and to be faithful in spite of loss was really really good. I really like that. But yeah, in the rest of the context, it doesn't matter because everything else is so yeah. bad. Yep. I, and yeah, like I'm saying, I feel like they just put their eggs in one basket, and that's and that was their undoing. And to be honest with you, I, anybody that doesn't think actually here, let me say this is my this is the ending for me for what I have to say. Anybody that's sitting here believing the directors, the showrunners about those season two is already written and we're, we're not going to change much but we're listening to the audience i'm sorry i'm sorry there is an in, there has to be internally at amazon and i and i would love to hear jacob's opinion on this as well he is well rehearsed in these in these tv shows and the politics behind them there has to be an internal war at amazon a lot of the faithful the Tolkien scholars, the ones that that were that were revered by the Tolkien community, left the show because of creative differences. Okay, the showrunners have already said in an interview that they did not listen to some of Jeff Bezos's wishes and his uh, opinions on the show. They did not listen. I'm sorry, but Jeff Bezos put so much money into acquiring the rights to to produce the show and then to make this show and it is overwhelmingly trolled online whereas the house of the dragon the mandalorian some some those are some recent huge sci-fi hits are applauded even andor has been getting rave reviews and jacob loves it Yep. But now people and are because, because people are liking it. This, and I'm going to end on this, this season was bad television. It was not good. There were parts that were good, but overall, not a TV show that anybody is willingly going back to on their spare time anytime soon. If you love the show, sure. I'm sure you're going to go back and watch it. But the people that love the show and the people that think it's overwhelmingly mid and mediocre – there is a vast majority on the other side, and that is not what Amazon wanted. They, this was, and and a lot Amazon marketers, um, TV TV insiders and experts have already said have already said this. If Amazon could not, if this was not a hit for Amazon, their TV market was going to go bye bye. They were not going to be doing TV shows like this anymore. They put all their eggs in this basket. I am sorry, but Jeff Bezos. The in, internally at Amazon, this was an overwhelming failure of mm-hmm. a season one, and anybody that thinks otherwise is wrong. This is a business at the end of the day, and if you're not making money, and you're not making people happy. This is this no good. I think that they've lost a lot of viewers. That's yeah. it, Jacob. Let me know your thoughts real quick. Yeah, you know, I think there's a lot of stuff that we can go into with the Amazon stuff. I mean, Bay's is going to look at the number. At the end of the day, though, it was the second most viewed show in terms of all the streaming shows that were going out at the time. So technically, the showrunners could go, hey, look at our numbers. They were really good compared to other things. We beat Star Wars. We beat Marvel. The difference is that Marvel was throwing out She-Hulk, which was their worst show ever. Uh, And Andor is about a character that nobody cares about in Star Wars, and people weren't pressed to watch it until they realized, oh, it's actually a really good show. It's really well written and everything like that. And they got to it after Lord of the Rings. That's what Lord of the Rings has to realize. They have the brand name to say, 
I'm going to watch that over a Star Wars or a Marvel project because it was. It was watched more than that. They have to take advantage of the fact that they have those numbers and they can use it, but they, they need to understand that they also lost a lot of numbers. That's something we can get into next time, though. Yeah. Yeah, because yep, there's, there's been some metric stuff that, that, you know, articles that have come out showing that it's not not at all what they, they would have wished it would be. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah, we... This is, yeah, just our episode eight thoughts, our finale thoughts, yep. and I guess our season thoughts, too. Um, yeah, pretty much a, a huge wrap-up, yeah, but just, I guess we're going to have a huge pod coming out very soon about some more of the direction of the show and some other things. Jacob, I know you got to go, so we'll end it here. This was an awesome pod, guys. Had a great time. Can't wait to drop this, and we're going to be marketing the crap out of it on Twitter. Really, everybody, please give us a retweet and a like. We do this for our own fun, but for everybody else. Peace out, guys.